everybody! Welcome to another episode of Truths Be Told. It's a comedy storytelling podcast where you hear all sorts of stories from cool, interesting people. Some stories are funny, some are weird, some are sad. There's no real, you know, way to tell what you're going to hear. The only prerequisite to be on this show is that your story has to be true and interesting. That's also a prerequisite. I am your host, Lindsay Mullen, and I'm coming to you live from my bedroom. Yeah, I'm here in beautiful, grimy, cold downtown Toronto, and I'm sitting here in my messy bedroom that looks disgusting. But that doesn't matter because this is an auditory medium. Hey guys, it's so fun to be filming another episode and to uh, fill you in on some hot new news. This podcast won a Canadian podcasting award. Remember how I mentioned that I was nominated? Well, the show actually won, which I'm shocked by. Like, I couldn't believe it. We won Outstanding Society and Culture Series at the Canadian Podcasting Awards a couple of weeks ago. And (laughs) I didn't even know that there was, like, an actual event that people went to and they read the name out on the microphone because nobody invited me. No one let me know. So, uh... I just uh, was on my couch in my pajamas watching Mad Men on Netflix and I received a text saying, hey, I think you won an award. And you know what? <laughs> like, it, it's great. It made my night. I'm so thankful. So if you voted or you're a listener of the show or you nominated my show, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's huge. I appreciate it so much. And of course, thank you to the Canadian Podcasting Awards for existing and for including me. That made me feel really, really, really good. Okay, let's get on to today's episode. Today's episode theme is bullying. Yeah, we were in a real happy place and now we're taking a sharp right turn into childhood trauma with bullying. I'm going to start with the very first time I was ever bullied, all right? It started in the second grade. I was seven. I didn't even know my bully's name. I was going to the water fountain to get a little sip of water and then I was like, hip-checked or body-checked to the ground by a kid that did not want to wait in line. He was in the sixth grade, and he pushed me to the ground, and then he looked at me and said, Get out of my way, lizard calf. And all his friends laughed. Okay, so let's let's stop for a moment. <laughs> lizard calf. Like calf as in a baby cow? Lizard as in, uh, lizard? (laughs) I still, I still do not get this, this awful nickname. I remember not understanding it, uh, much like I don't understand it now, uh, but being hurt because I knew as a human that being 
thought of as half lizard and half calf was uh, not a compliment. And I was on the ground and probably wanted to cry and felt very humiliated. And every once in a while in the hallway at school, I would see this grade six boy. What is wrong with him? I'm in the second grade. Anyways, I would see him and he'd point at me and call me lizard calf. And it it was just so upsetting for me. I, I, I didn't know what to think. And it just made me so sad. And my mom and dad love to tell this story about how in the second grade, I came home from school one day and I was like sad and sniffling like, (laughs) and my parents said, Lindsay, what's wrong? And I said, the kids, they call me lizard calf. And my memory of this is my parents were like, what? Oh, honey. And they tried to make me feel better. My parents' take on this, which they love to tell people, is apparently they were stifling laughter when I told them that the kids were calling me lizard calf. And they would apparently, at night, after I'd gone to bed, when they were alone, they would refer to me as lizard calf. My own parents used the cruel nickname that a bully had given me. And they did this for like a really long time. And they think it's so funny. They laugh about it. They love telling me this story. And like boyfriends I have or friends, they love telling them this story. Like my dad will say, oh yeah, we'd we'd be brushing our teeth and be like, hey, did you tuck lizard calf in? And then they'd like laugh and high five or something crazy. Not okay. Not okay, you guys. It's funny, but not okay. My dad still calls me lizard calf from time to time, if we're being real here. Like, in recent years, he has referred to me as lizard calf. You know, like, dropping me off somewhere in the car, he'll be like, catch you later, lizard calf. Have a good time, lizard calf. Which is actually really funny, but only because I've had the time now to process it and I'm not, you know, seven years old. Okay, so that first anecdote was very light, you know, kind of a, a light, fluffy way of uh, talking about bullying. So this next story is going to be a little more heavy and true to the theme. Um, so my personality as it is right now at 29 years old. Um, I mean, it's not even the core parts of it that different from who I was as a child, I don't think. Um, I've always been weird and loud and talkative and impulsive and kind of blah, you know, (laughs) you know, out there and just say exactly how I feel. I I have always had uh, this general vibe. And uh, as an adult, I feel like I've been rewarded for my personality, for being my authentic self and, and very truthful and bubbly. But when you're a kid, particularly, you know, the latter half of elementary school and through junior high school, I found that 
my personality wasn't met with kindness all the time. I kind of had a giant target on my back because uh, I was weird and, you know, I, I didn't fit in the mold that I think girls were expected to fit into in the mid to late 90s, early aughts. You know, I was a bit of a tomboy with terrible bangs and uh, I did exactly what I wanted to do. And that didn't always fly with boys, especially or with girls, you know, like boys would call me like fucking ugly or like they'd tell me to stop being so weird or tell me this. They would say things like um, act more like a girl. They would say things like that, which is uh, which I mean, I'm sure some of that stuff is still embedded in my psyche and comes out in uh, weird ways. <laughs> Uh, in my relationships with men. But uh, one particular boy really got into my psyche when I was like 10 or 11 years old. I would ride the school bus every morning and he lived in my neighborhood. And I would have to sit at the back of the bus because that's where all the older kids were. And uh, I just dreaded going to school in the morning because I would just, this boy, he was popular and I wasn't and he had all his popular friends and they would all kind of pick on me and he would be the ringleader of that. And he would be so cruel to me. Even weirder than that, there were points where I had a crush on him too. I thought he was cute or something and then to have him be so cruel to me like just the cruelest say horrible things to me uh and that crush eventually I think it dissolved because it was just so harsh so mean and um I would dread getting on the school bus I I would tense up and be so nervous um And just to give you a little taste of how cruel he could be, uh, when my dog, Oscar, who I loved very much, died, when we had to put him down, I got to miss school for like a day or two when I was 11. And I remember when I came back to school after that day off, and it was like the day after we'd put him down, This little boy said to me, I'm not going to make fun of you today because your dog just died. Which I guess he thought that was really nice of him. But then like within the week, he would make jokes about my dead dog. So that's pretty dark and pretty fucked up. And I think he thought all this kind of stuff was funny and lighthearted. I don't think... I don't know. He knew it was mean, but I don't think he was aware of how much it hurt. Anyways, later on, we didn't go to the same high school or anything like that. And I remembered just like 
when I would think about him later on in my teen years, I'd be like, if I ever run into that guy, I'm gonna do this monologue, really tearing a strip off him and telling him how much of a piece of shit he is and and tell him how he made me feel and just like destroy him. And um, I think I carried this like imaginary um, movie scene in my head with me for years. And then, you know, the universe provided a little bit, uh, but not in the way I expected. Um, when I was like 17 or 18, I was at the Loose Moose Theater, which I've mentioned a million times on this podcast. It's an improv theater, and I was volunteering there and performing there, and I was really happy there. And one evening, I just, before one of the comedy shows, I stood at the door and volunteered and ripped tickets of people going into the theater to watch the show. And all of a sudden, I look up, and he is standing there. And we are both like 18 now or something. And he hands me his ticket. And in my guts, I'm like, this is my moment. I can tell him he's a piece of shit. I can, I can finally like, you know, rub his nose in it. And he opens his mouth and he smiles and he goes, oh my God, Lindsay, you do this? You you get you actually you perform here? That is so cool. That's awesome. And he's like completely earnest. He's smiling so big. He just genuinely wants to connect. Hey, how are you? And like it hits me like a ton of bricks in that moment. Oh, he didn't carry any of this. He didn't remember any of this. He was 11. He was 11 years old. And he was stupid. And I don't think he remembers a single thing he said to me. And to be honest, even telling you this now, other than the dead dog comments, I can't tell you a single thing he said to me. Um, I just know how he made me feel. Which is, of course, the famous quote, you don't, you don't remember what people say to you, you just rem- remember how they made you feel. And uh, I think from that moment, I, I was just stunned. I didn't say anything rude. I just said, yeah, I, I, I come here, I perform here. Uh-huh. And he said, cool, we'll see you later. And he went into the show. And um, yeah, it just goes to show, you know, we carry this stuff. And I, I often wonder now who I said something really, you know, I'm sure I said something fucked up to a bunch of people. And I wonder if they think about it from time to time. Whoo. Yeah. So he's a different guy now. Maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe he was the victim of bullying. I don't know, guys. We'll never know. Okay, you guys, now it is time for the quote of the episode. Today's quote is by the former First Lady of the United States, Eleanor Roosevelt. And her quote is, Nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Hmm. 
my mom used to say this quote a lot to me as a kid. And uh, I always liked it. I, I thought about it a lot when I was younger. Now I think it's a bit of an oversimplification of how things work between people. You know? It's not all on on you. Sometimes people need to not just treat you like shit. But it is a good reminder that uh, to some extent, you know, you get to choose how you react to what other people say to you and say about you. So there's a good kernel of truth to it. Okay, let's jump into our stories. The first story you will hear is uh, a classic camp story. It's our third story on the show about a time at camp. There's something about camp, you guys. All the best stuff happens there. Or the worst stuff. Uh, This is Jonathan Shatsky. I'm sitting here with Jonathan Shatsky. You got it. Is that how you say that? That is how you say that. Shatsky. Yeah. Okay. It's like... Shatner and Gretzky combined. <laughs> the two greats. That's it. <laughs> okay. Jonathan, you have a real fucked up story. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. It, it haunts me a little. Yeah. Just jump in. Just jump in, huh? Yeah. To the haunting. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's a, <laughs> it's a fairly dark story, um, it's a, but bear with me. It bears fruit. Okay, great. Let's see. Uh, late eighties, uh, Northern Ontario, Halliburton. Okay. Uh, nine-year-old Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> uh, nine-year-old Jonathan uh, was very, very shy. Yeah. Um, a sensitive kid, uh, yeah. only child, mm-hmm. first time away from home. I had a really nice, sheltered upbringing. And uh, where were you? What do you mean? Oh, you were away from home where? Oh, sorry. We were uh, at sleepaway camp. This- yeah! <laughs> See? Uh, Here we go. We're yeah, at yeah. a camp story. Camp story. The best stories happen at camp. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it feels weird to say best. I guess it is a great story. Because it's dark, It's right? a horrible experience. <laughs> so why was it but so it, dark? Um. Okay, well... Okay, how to set the tone. I mean... You know, this was my first time going away from home. Uh, mm-hmm. It was three weeks. And yeah, I was really nervous going in. I was kind of on my best behavior. I didn't know what, how to be. I didn't know how to make friends. Um, in life at that time, I was fairly mischievous, I guess. Um, but in this environment, I was just like, I was a good boy. Why? Um, I don't know. I just, that's sort of my default mode. I was... Right. Know, it was sort of how I reacted to a new environment. Okay. Just sort of shut down and just observed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it started out, it was kind of fun, right? You know, there was yeah. lots of sports and outdoor activities. and I liked those things at that time. And, you know, started to get to know people. So it was, it was okay. It was all right. Um, <laughs> until uh, I realized that uh, we... We had some counselors, we had a counselor in particular who was uh, a little bit of an asshole. Right, um, okay. I don't know that that word encompasses it. He was, he was a sadistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a total uh, maniac. Basically, um, 
yeah, it it sort of my camp experience devolved into sort of a, you know like a quasi kidnapping experience at times. <laughs> so he's like kind of an abusive, power hungry. Well, How old was he? It's it, it's hard to say. Like I was a kid, everyone older than you is kind of older, but he was a teenager. You know, yeah. maybe fifteen, like a young counselor. Yeah. Um, but what became apparent quickly was that he kind of enjoyed punishing us okay um you know we we would get into trouble as a as a group just like little things yeah little things like being insubordinate or talking back or not cleaning up your bunk like he would find things and he would pick on people and then maybe they would mouth back and then he'd punish them and sort of over time and really quickly the punishments sort of started to elevate so you know, people would be banned from certain activities or they wouldn't be able to have, go to the tuck shop or whatever. Stupid yeah. little things. But then it escalated to sort of a group punishment. And that's what they called bunking. Okay. So what that meant was that instead of... It's kind of like in the military. If, if you know, someone in the line is being bad and instead of and making you all get it yeah like oh they don't make God. that person do the push-ups they make everyone I've, else do the push-ups i fucking hated that in school yeah. yeah like if someone wrote something on the chalkboard who wrote yeah. this well you all have to lose five minutes of recess until one of you confesses that's like, right. kind of bullshit yeah yeah it's a way to make you hate that kid um, <laughs> yeah so this one particular evening yeah so this was a, we got bunked and what that meant was, let's say there was some kind of fun activity. It was a movie night or whatever. Something fun. doesn't matter. We weren't allowed to... Our entire cabin was not allowed to take part. Yeah. So we were forced to uh, lie on our bunks, on our backs, with our arms at our sides. And we had to stare at the ceiling. And we weren't allowed to close our eyes. We weren't allowed to move. And we weren't allowed to talk. Uh-huh. So this is <laughs> called bunking. And so we had to or lie there. Sensory deprivation. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Torture. Yeah. Um, essentially for like a nine year old energetic boy. So yeah, we had to, and it, you know, it felt like weeks, like God knows how long it actually was, but right. let's say probably a couple of hours. And it was, you know, it was terrible. Um, and then, so the first night it happened, and then someone, you know, there was this one kid, this unfortunate kid, Steven, and. He was one of those kids that would, like, you could make laugh easily just by making a little noise or looking at him a certain way and he'd kind of giggle, right? He had that nervous energy. And so someone who was kind of one of the troublemakers uh, did something that the counselor didn't see that made this kid laugh. Yeah. And this counselor grabbed him and said, and made him, I will never forget this, uh, made him strip and stand on the front porch of the of the cabin holding rubber boots out like holding his arms out like wide like a cross like a cross yeah <laughs> which is funny because this was a jewish camp but uh <laughs> like jesus uh with rubber boots naked this is a nine-year-old kid oh on the God. porch and he had to do it for like a, a really for a, a significant period of time let's say 15 minutes mm-hmm. and he couldn't move and if he moved or if he laughed or lost his balance at all he had they would restart it oh my god so like that it was pretty fucked up it was pretty fucked up i'd never experienced anything like that so um it was a very effective behavioral control method for me personally because i was terrified of something like that happening to me right um, and so this one night 
So yeah, these things escalated. So that was the first night. And then, you know, the next time uh, one kid had to go into the cabin next door, again, strip naked, and had to dance in the dark while the other kids shined their flashlights at him, like a disco naked dance party. All right. That's disgusting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was camp. Right. Th- like, that's the thing that uh, is hard to understand. But this was my first experience at camp. And, and this is what... probably your first experience with hazing. Because that's full-on hazing. It's yeah. full-on hazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, to me, this was just what happened at camp. Uh-huh. It's hard to... Yes. So, anyway, so these things, these one-off things happened. And then, you know, we... I don't remember who did what. But someone did something, and now we're all bunked again. Yeah. And... This time, so if you had to use the bathroom, you were the only thing we were allowed to do when yeah. bunked was to raise our arm straight up, at which point the counselor would come over and we could ask them a question. So I had to pee. And so I raised my arm and the counselor came over and uh, I said I had to pee and he took me outside. And then as he was leaving, he turned to the other campers and just said, you know, just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that you can talk, doesn't mean that you can move, same rules apply. Fine. And he leaves with me. As we're walking to the bathroom, he stops and he tells me to go by myself. And I do. And when I come back, I see him standing on the porch of the cabin. Uh-huh. Now, the door had kind of a half window with a screen. Yeah. And it was summer, right? So the window's open. And he's crouching below the window, holding a broom with his ear kind of cocked toward the window so he hasn't left and he's been listening and he's been keeping track of who was talking and like the rustling sounds and so as he sees me approaching he sort of puts up his hand and tells me you know to stop at which point he kicks open the door and is like you 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 strip 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 so yeah then these kids were forced to get naked and run across the entire camp to the mess hall. Yeah. So um, so I'm lying there with maybe two other kids. And then they're gone for 15 minutes. And then they come back just fucking like bawling their eyes out. Oh just like. God. And I remember this kid who was next to me, Ryan. He just like dove into his bed and put his face in the pillow and was sobbing. And I was just like. You know, this is like survival mode and I just, I wanted to, I just, but I was so afraid to say anything. So I just sat, like lied there silently, just Uh listening to these other kids fucking cry. So, uh, (laughs) that's the, that's the end of part one. Part one. Okay. So part Um, two. Oh God. Yeah. How many years later are we going now? Um, we're going to fast forward maybe 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So over that time, I mean, this was the late 80s. So, you know, I've done Google searches and like try to find people or info and like there's nothing. I haven't found anything. And But I've thought about these kids and uh, thought about sort of what happened to them many, many times over my life. And, um, you know, as I'm talking about it now, like I feel the shaking sort of in my heart, right? I can hear it in my voice. It's, it brings back feelings. It's a really long time ago, but yeah. there's a lot of fear. Also, very traumatic. It's super traumatic. And I was the lucky one. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would, yeah. So uh, fast forward 25 years. I'm working as a server at a restaurant. 
And it's the end of the night and, you know, really busy place. But now there are a couple of tables left. And there's only one table left in my section. And it's a table of four and it's two couples. And they're clearly like celebrating something. They're looking nice. They're having a great time. And because it's now emptied out, you can sort of hear the conversations as opposed to just being sort of a general ambient noise of people talking. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't trying to listen by any means. I was just cleaning up a table nearby. I was just wiping it down, getting it ready. And as I'm doing that, I hear the following sentence. I hear, and then he had to strip and dance naked for the kids in the cabin next door while they shined flashlights on it. <laughs> so specific. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really Oh man. really specific. So my heart just started like pounding out of my body instantly. And I'm just like, "Holy shit." First of all, how crazy is this? 20 like do the odds. Yeah. 25 years later, I happen to be serving them all night. It happens they're the only people left. I happened to be nearby when he said this one thing. Yeah. That took me back to a very specific place in time, 25 years earlier. And and now I'm just like paralyzed and I don't know what to do. But I know that I can't, I can't not say anything. Yeah. But I'm like, what do I do? I mean, they're having a good time. They're couples. They seem to be like laughing about it. read them the specials and then. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have any childhood build... trauma you want to chat about? Yeah. But because I guess that they seemed you know, it wasn't like they were, they seemed fine. I was like, okay, maybe it's okay to talk about it. So, and it's just so ridiculous. I had to. So I just walk over the table and I'm like, hey, and I'd had, had a great rapport with them. And I just said, I'm really sorry to interrupt. And I'm very sorry for eavesdropping unintentionally, but I couldn't help but hear what you just said. And by any chance, were you talking about Camp Northland? And there was that moment of silence, that ominous fucking silence where everyone is just dumbfounded by what just happened. And he turns to me and just says, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and it's deep breath. And I'm like, I think we were in the same cabin. And it's like the table, just everyone's jaw just hits the table. And it's like, holy shit uh-huh. and and we're like i'm like shaking and so and i said do you remember other things like because i remember everything and i say this was my first experience at camp I'm like i remember and i told the story about going to the bathroom and this you know counselor uh and like i was I was trying to add, i remembered a few names like people's last names i'm like do you remember this person no do you remember that person? He didn't remember. And then he asked me one. I didn't remember. But we're like trying to find that common ground, that connection. And, um, but I, you know, talk about a couple of other things. And, and then he asks me, uh, like, so what, like how long, what years were you there? And I'm like, well, I was only there for one year because that was enough for me. Right. Um, but like 80, I don't know, nine. Yeah. Or whatever. And then, and he's like, oh. And then he's like, because I was there like 83 to 86 or, you know, a window that was a number of years earlier. And the math doesn't check out. Yeah, the math doesn't add up. 
Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And at that moment, I realized and he realized Mm -hmm. that we had not actually been campers together, but we had been in the same cabin and that he was, in fact, the sadistic fucking counselor. Oh, my God. That's actually... Oh, my God. So we both knew it in that moment and didn't say anything. Um, I made an excuse to get away and kind of just pretend it like, huh, that's weird. And then I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be right back. And I walk away and I'm just like, what the fuck do I do? You know, now, like, first of all, I'm like, did... Other people just picked that up. He's there yeah. with his wife, you know, and his a couple friend of theirs. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, have an intervention? We're going to talk about this? About the, you know. You going to punch him in the head? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how do I handle this? And uh, so, again, I just realized that I, I couldn't not say anything. And uh, so I just walked back up to the table and I stopped and I just stared at him. And I said, I think you were my counselor. And he said, I think I was too. And now the silence before was very different from the new silence. And the silence before was like a unified, like a shared experience. And the people at the table. Comrades. Yeah. And then the other people at the table were like amazed at this bond that we were. And then it now was very different. Because they'd heard what I'd said about this counselor and how he oh acted and what he did specifically. And now they're putting the pieces together. And nobody knows how to act. And so he just said to me, and we just shared like a really deep look. Yeah. Um, what did he say? Uh, he said, you know, you have to understand that I was 15. Um that I had gone to this camp before I was a counselor and that these things were part of this hazing, like part of the these rituals that happened at the camp and counselors did this and it was, and it was perpetuated done. over time. And he, so oh. when he was talking about this story about the kid dancing with the flashlights, that happened to one of the kids in his cabin. Oh, that's so fucked up. He's just it's, like you. It's the, exactly. Yeah. Like it's you. the classic, like, perpetuation the cycle of abuse right and uh but you know at the same time there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance here like at the same time where i'm dealing with now a man who's 40 or 41 or whatever and you know this was when he was a kid yeah so it's like how do you and you mentioned to me earlier mm-hmm. why the reason they were there that night why they brought it up in the first place yeah so then the other thing he said yeah the reason we were talking about this at this moment was because we just dropped off our kid today to summer camp for the first time and so we were talking about how times have changed and what camp culture used to be like right wow wow that's fucking crazy yeah it's that's insane yeah oh my god yeah. Did you kind of want to strip him naked and put flashlights <laughs> on him and, and call oh, him an asshole? I, I kind of liked having him sit there just with just my eyes on him. It. Yeah, and with the people that he loved, you know. 
that's that's dark. Well, it's like you, you know, yeah. sitting it, man. You yeah. you you did this, like. Oh my god, it. Jonathan, that story is incredible. It's spooky. It's yeah. It's kind of it, it's really dark. I mean, yeah. It's like when you think about um, just coincidence or, or timing or. You know, the fact that I, ha- that, that one fucking sentence that I happened to be there, you know, I'd served them for two hours that night and yeah. we, we could have never known. I could have been right next to this guy who had been responsible for one of the most traumatic things that I've ever witnessed in my life and had no idea. Right. I was laughing with him all night. Oh my God. Thank you for being on the show. That's such a I, good story. I really hope. Uh... <laughs> let's let's. If you ever have a kid, never send them to camp. That's the moral of the story. Never send your kids to camp. <laughs> Hello, I'm here with Spencer Litzinger. Spencer, she is an improviser turned actress turned uh, YTV host. Uh huh. Oh yeah. I don't she, know if that was too close. No, I just that's moved perfect. In. You move right into the mic, and it's perfect. She's she's really good around equipment, uh, which is why she's the host on the Zone. Yeah. Which is, I mean, if you're Canadian, you know what that is. You grew up with that. The PJs. The, the the kids hosts on yeah. the kids network the Carlos the sugar yeah oh my God see that that shows how uh, young you are <laughs> I'm thinking PJ Phil yeah. PJ Pat <laughs> anyways so you host a kids show you're lovely you're a wonderful person thank you and um, uh, you know even though you're a wonderful person you had to experience some hard times in your life and uh, you're gonna tell me your story of bullying yeah today. I am um, so I think like an interesting thing is that I was really bullied by guys and I'm a girl um, girls I think didn't like me a ton because the popular guys were mainly choosing to bully me and everyone has crushes on the popular guys but it was never a thing of like mean girl situation it was just like really like bad bullying like I don't remember this but like when I was six or seven my mom um, during like the end of the day, mm-hmm. I was like playing and she found me being choked by two boys and they were choking oh me God. and then they were like sitting on my neck and I, I think I blocked out that memory, but it was really like, it was guys just like, you know, like pushing me, calling Getting me names, really physical. physical. And you know what's interesting is I've experienced this too. When I was a kid, I had boys bully and it's, it's a thing people don't talk about a lot, no. but that, that's a thing. It's confusing. I remember like... Like, to this day, I don't like being called crazy because it was such a conflicting thing for me. Like, when they would say it, it was like I didn't know how to combat it. It was like I almost had to be more crazy, and I didn't want to, but I felt like if I stopped, somehow I was letting them win, and then I would just spaz out, as they would say, because I didn't know how to yeah. what to do. Like, I felt so stuck. I felt like a clown that didn't want to be a clown, but I had to be. You know, I was kind of like that. Boys would call me weird, or they would shame me for not being like other girls. Mm. And it made me more weird. Yes. Like, it makes you go like, well, fuck you, yeah. then I'm gonna, yeah. right? It's crazy, I don't understand. Like, I still, like, to this day, like, I, I think about it and I'm like, why did I feel the need to prove to them that I was that when I wasn't? Like, I was, you know, thoughtful, sensitive, quiet and a performer yes but mm-hmm. I was performing for someone I didn't want to you know in, in a role that I was like mm, I don't want to play that 
And you had a really uh, interesting story about a particular boy. Yes. Can you tell us about that a bit? Okay, so from a, like young age, I was told like, oh, like when I would mention it to adults, like I was like, I'm being bullied by boys. They'd be like, oh, that just means they like you. They always say that. That's it's what they say. Such bullshit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so I was told that, and I was like eight or nine, mm-hmm. and then I just chose the boy that was the meanest. And like, I was like, he let a crush on him. Yep. I was like, he has to, he loves me the most. I, the reason I had a crush was because he was the meanest. And I was like, oh, if mean equals love, he's got the most love. So in my head, I was like, he's the one. Oh and he had like super like white blonde hair, like lightning mm. bolt. I don't even know what to call it. Just like it was, it wasn't gray. Marilyn Monroe, whitish blonde. Yes. Platinum. Platinum. Yes. Platinum. Okay. Blue eyes. He was kind of short, stocky. He played hockey. He was one of the cool, like, again, it was like the cool boys that bullied me, but he was the, he was the cool boy that pushed the nerds into the garbage can. Like he was the mean one. He wasn't the pretty boy. He was the, you know, comes to school with a shiner on his face because he fought his like teen brother's brother or friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drew. His name was Drew. Drew. All right. (laughs) Drew, we're watching you. (laughs) You've been called out. Uh, So tell us more about about that. Okay, so for some reason as a kid, I didn't grow up religious, but I fully believed in God. And I believed in God in a certain way that if I prayed hard enough, whatever I wanted would come true. And this happened when I wanted a chameleon. I prayed and prayed and I got a chameleon. So... (laughs) <laughs> so, oh, or you, when you, I lost the remote, I pray. pray. <laughs> when you lose the TV remote, I pray. I, I go, please God, let me find the remote, and then I find it. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, so that was my, and I'd always do like a thing where I'd kiss the prayer up to an angel to carry it up to God. You sound like me. I've really? done stuff oh like my this. Gosh. When I was a kid, I did similar things. Is it like a nervous thing? Like I don't. I think it might be an OCD thing a little yeah, bit too. I definitely like. Definitely, like, I had to, like, I would do the cross, and then I would blow a kiss, and I would always and make sure to... rituals. Yes, and I would make sure to thank God for listening to me first, because, like, I was like, I feel bad. Like, he's always listening to everyone's problems. Nobody ever asks him how he is. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, you sound like me. My head... You know, my I'm kind of weird like this. Yeah. I do similar things. I don't have anything else in my life like this, but right. there was definitely around praying, like, or, like, when I found out about the Titanic or Remembrance Day, I remember trying to pray for every single person that died what? and I had no idea. So I was making up names and then I started Spencer, crying. Did this happen? weird? What? Yeah, during the moment of silence on Remembrance Day, what? I would, for some reason, I don't know how this was helpful, but I would imagine their death mm, because wow. I thought that's how I was honoring them, oh. which is so weird. And I would force myself to imagine yeah. people in you know, World War One or World War Two, getting murdered. Yeah. That's so weird. Similar. I think yeah. you and I both have similar mental issues. <laughs> That's really sweet. So um, back to Drew. Drew. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I have one week. I had a plan. The plan was that I was going to go to school one week from today, and I was going to tell Drew I loved him. However, what was oh. supposed to happen was... 
Drew was going to interrupt me and say, I love you too, and then carry me off into the recessed sunlight. So, oh, so that's what you'd written in the script in your head. Yes. Right. And I decided one week is enough time for God to make this happen. So I would, every time before bed, I'd squeeze my hands together really tightly, thank him for listening, and tell him the play-by-play, and please make sure it happens. So I did that every day, you know, for seven days. And then the day came, I remember waking up in the morning, pre-picking my outfit, Get ready. Oh my gosh. I wore a tutu and a tiara. So, sorry, a tutu and a tiara. <laughs> yes. You're like, how old again? Mm, seven or eight. eight right, or nine. we're on the borderline. We but, definitely but it's, were on. But it's, wow, okay. It was like, I need to be the prettiest I can be. I'm going to be, this is my princess moment. He's going to carry me off. Oh my God. And so I just reminded God, you know, here we go. I don't usually pray in the day, but just like, you know, a quick check in. And then here we go, it's lunch, right? Like the big one. And brace yourselves, everybody. (laughs) All the popular boys are kicking one soccer ball in a circle uh, to each other. It's muddy, you know know what I mean? Like they're just in a circle and they're kicking the soccer ball and I am walking, strutting up towards them. And they're just like, what is she up to? Like they can't even make fun of me because they're like, what the heck is she about to do? You're already a joke. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, there's no punchline needed. Oh, my God. So what happened? So I waltz right in uh, to the middle of the circle. I scan. I turn, and I find Drew. And this is the moment, the one that I had prayed for. So every time I need a remote or a chameleon, it comes through. So I look at him, and I go, Drew, I... And this is a part where he's supposed to say, love you too. Like he's supposed to cut me off and he's not cutting me off. So I'm like, okay, I'll just prompt him. And I go, love, he says nothing. And then I go, love you, Drew, I love you. Like, come on. And he looks at me. Oh my God. And he pushes me into the mud. Skirt is ripped apart. And all the guys just start laughing and like kicking the mud. And I don't remember if he said anything to me. It was just like this real moment of him being like, what do I do? Like, cause I was so genuine. And then he just reverted back to being that bully and just like pushed me and all the guys just like kicked mud on me. And I have had many fallouts with my God, uh, belief system and this was one of the major ones and then when god didn't let my stepdad gregor live oh my god i don't think i i I still have problems praying because i was so upset i was like you give me a chameleon you let me find my remote but you don't let the one person i really loved live that was grade seven yeah so i've had my falling outs i wonder if that's really upsetting we'll have to have you back for that (laughs) one um but Okay, so that's so heartbreaking because I can imagine how genuine you are. Because you're sitting in front of me right now and you're so genuine. Yeah. You are as pure as the driven snow. Uh, and that's wonderful. And that's heartbreaking. And I wonder if on some level, and I'm not backing him up, I wonder if he did have a crush on you. I know people say, like, that's not an excuse and that's not a good thing we teach young girls. But sometimes there's a little truth to well, it. I, I remember this one time. It was the, it was like Drew was waiting for his dad or something. And it was really long time. Like, and I lived very close to school. So I just was like sitting with him and he just opened up to me about like 
how stuff at home is hard and his like parents are breaking up and I remember walking home being so confused because he didn't call me fugly like he didn't call call, me he didn't call you fugly yeah oh my god and I was just like why like you know that other classic phrase about like how bullies probably have troubles at home I remember being like oh stuff is rough and why did he tell me oh you just know that that kid was the victim of somebody else's yeah but he, he opened up, and it felt really like... I don't know how to explain it. It was different. He was nice, and... And he probably wasn't surrounded by a group of he boys. He wasn't. It was right? just him. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Okay, that story's so good. We got a woo. I don't know We got a it. woo. There's a woo in the background, <laughs> because we're in a, in a building that has other people in it. Um, okay, Spencer, I want to end this wonderful story thank you for sharing thank it thank you for having me yeah i, I listen w- to the podcast i legit that, do you do i love <laughs> thank you i love that that makes me feel good um spencer i want to ask you because it kind of ties in full circle this is a story from when you were a kid mm. and now you're a host and kids watch you all across canada they watch you and tune in and you you set them up for the next cartoon they're gonna watch yeah um, what advice would you give to kids who watch The Zone about bullying and when you're getting pushed around as a kid? I would say speak up, really. Like, if you can't speak up for yourself to the bully, you tell the teacher, you tell your parent, and you keep speaking up until someone will make a change for you. Because sometimes even me, like when I would tell a teacher, they would be like, oh, but you're old beyond your years. So they didn't help me out. So I told my mom and she would tell the principal. So it's about speaking up. And recently in my adult life, I have addressed problems one-on-one personally, just being Mm -hmm. like, hey, you know what? That hurt my feelings when you said that. I don't know if that's what you meant, but this is how I heard it. So if you are able to tell the bully, like that really hurt my feelings. And from my personal experience, the person was surprised and apologetic. Um, so speaking up, whether you speak up head on to the person or to someone who can help you speak up, you know, and make that change a difference. But use your voice. Use your use voice. Use your voice Don't and have be to authentic it. and truthful. Be authentic. Be truthful. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. Thank you for being on the show. Is there anything you'd like to promo? Well, let me tell you, I have been trying to grow my Instagram for a very long time. She is an Instagram, guys. Yeah, and I, I make funny Instagram stories. They are all kid-friendly, but I like to think it's a challenge because they have to be kid-friendly, they right? They have to. It's a creative limitation. Yes, yes. What, what's your handle? Okay, it's at Spencer Lit Zinger. Lit, as in I'm lit, and I'm a zinger. Spencer Litzinger. Oh, that's perfect. Thanks, Spencer. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Welcome to the panel discussion. I'm with Johnny Walker and Morgan Norwich. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. You know what? For the listeners, tell us what you do, who you are on the scene. Uh, well, I am a writer, performer, theater artist type person. Yes. I am also a DJ. And I 
I've made like a short film, so it's like a kind of like to say that I'm a filmmaker, although it feels like you gotta maybe make a few more before you can say that. No, but let's you, just say on it. On this show, you can you say it. I'm a filmmaker. You're okay. I'm with a famous filmmaker. Uh, Morgan, tell us about you. Uh, my name's Morgan Norwich. I've been um, Johnny's collaborator on many of the things that he just this said that true, he did. Yes. Most of them. Most um, of the things. From creating plays to being burlesque MCs to oh, even DJing. Um, oh my uh, God. There's a, some of your parties would not exist without... We um, should mention, you guys are very good friends. That's why yes. I brought you on the panel arguably together. Arguably best friends. Yes, arguably so. I, and also, don't you forgot that you also appeared in my short film. That's right, I did. So <laughs> she she can she can back him, back him up. It's, yeah, he's a filmmaker. It's, it, yeah, I've seen that film. Okay. Um, so... Longtime collaborators, I do uh, a lot more arts administration work now. So I go around trying to bring in money for, um, well, right now, the Toronto Fringe Festival. That's amazing. And today our topic is bullying. Mm. Isn't that great? And what, you know, it's good to have friends here. It feels like a safe space to Uh talk about something so traumatic for some people. Or maybe some levity. I don't know. Were you guys uh, bullied, bullied we were, we as were children? Bullies, for we, sure. You were bullied? <laughs> I'm sitting with bullies? <laughs> each other. Oh, no, shit. No, so, absolutely. I was definitely not a bully. And a, I doubt that you were either. Well, but this is the thing. Like, no, I wasn't. But um, so one of the, it's a it's a good topic for us because this play that we made mm-hmm. that uh-huh. um, toured all over the country is about bullying and Johnny wrote it. And one of the lines in it I is, saw that. Oh. she saw that play, yeah. um, is, what's the line? Uh, everyone at some point in their life has been either a bully or a redheaded stepchild, which title of the it's show, redheaded play. stepchild. Uh, spoiler alert, Johnny is redheaded. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. not a stepchild. Child. Not a stepchild. No, that, no. that is fake that news. That part is fiction. So everyone's been on, I've been on both sides of it. There you go. Everyone likes to think of the time that they were bullied, though, because that yeah. seems less. So what kind of bullying did you experience? Um, I was thinking about this recently. <laughs> like, having red hair gives you a lot of weird attention growing up. I mean, it's just like a thing that's different, right? Yeah, what right? is with that? Why is that such a big thing for people? Um, I do think some of it is inherited from this kind of British, anti-Irish, anti-Scottish thing. I think there's part of that in the mix. But in a broader way, it's just more, yeah. there's so few of us and we look different. And I don't even think it's necessarily just Irish Scottish because that doesn't explain why my booby was so afraid of your red hair when she met you. That's like, true. There's an example of someone who bullied him is my own grandmother. <laughs> what? Um, what did she not say? really. She just like she always used to say that people with red hair have fiery personalities. And my Jewish Classic grandmother cliche, yeah. um, is in no way. Do you think that's true? No. I mean, <laughs> I have to ask Fact if you were blonde. Checking. I'd ask if you have more fun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think the color of a person's hair has any particular impact on their personality beyond having the shared experience of the way other people treat you because of it. Mm. Right. And can I get? May I just ask how many times in your life has have people asked you if the carpets match oh, the drapes? Is God. that the most? That's just like so. That's yeah, and it's just like. The way that people just feel so open to, like, just jumping in your pants, you know? What? 
I figuratively speaking. Oh, right, right. Most of the time. Yeah, okay. Figuratively speaking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, that people think that, like, the, uh, like, hi, how are you? Tell me about your pubic hair. It's like, oh what? Oh, God. And, and, the, and that is one of the ones that's hard, too, because, like, when you're a younger kid, it's more general, sort of like, oh, like, redhead, carrot top, you look weird, whatever. And then the most awful thing is then something like you're in puberty and, like, everything's awful. And then you, like, they, kids make that connection and are like, oh, here's something else I can ask about. <laughs> that's what all kids sound like i don't know also i was like kind of fat kind of gay i had glasses there was a lot like there was a lot, you had a lot to, of things yeah, to... yeah, yeah yeah oh my goodness what about you well, yeah. i mean i i will straight up say i don't think i had it as bad as you but i think that i also think that girls experience bullying from other girls oh it's in extreme like a way different way um that's... maybe a more sophisticated way too well, it's more psychological torment, mm-hmm. I think, a lot of the time. Like, there's very little, like, I'm going to take you out behind the bleachers and, like, kick you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least that wasn't my experience. But it would be more like, what I just think, like, like I was, I was small and nerdy um, and smarter than the other kids, which kids don't like. Um, oh, yeah. They hate that. But um, I think, I think what was, like, worse is going to school every day and like you didn't know from one day to the next if a girl was going to be your best friend or Hmm. like hate your guts and I like for all my everyone's a bully or a redheaded stepchild I never like pulled that on anyone like I we've all had our moments of being a, a bit of a mean girl yeah but I never sort of like turned around and was like, you're not my friend anymore. And by the way, I'm going to tell Davey Wallace that you had a crush on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which, like, and middle school is the worst of it, for sure. You know when you had to change into your gym strip? Oh, the worst. Like, you had to go down before gym and, ch- and change into, like, this issue shorts and t-shirt oh, okay, with the yeah. logo mascot yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I remember going down there, and I didn't get the memo that over the summer we all got training bras. Like, I didn't know that that was supposed to happen from elementary. And so I got little mosquito bites, so I didn't think it was an issue. I was the only one without one. And some girl told everyone I was a lesbian. I don't know how you make that connection. But... (laughs) It sounds like she had a good point. Um. (laughs) And then I was trying to entice all the other girls. And this is how I... Oh, because you didn't wear it. That was her thing. I must have been enticing everybody. By being okay. I mean, it sounds like maybe she was enticed. She might have been enticed. Yeah. But and, no, and I know the change room was so awful as everyone's going through puberty. And like, I can tell you in the boys change room, oh there was boy. a lot of like pointing out other people's bodies. If you like. Really? Also, I feel like it was like a thing where I, I remember being behind on, I feel like in elementary school, like we're all like little boys and we all wore briefs. And then suddenly in middle school, it was like, now we all are supposed to be wearing boxer shorts. And yeah, I was just, I missed a memo and I was still wearing briefs and everyone was like, we wear these like giant voluminous boxer shorts. With funny things on them. Why? But 
why is that? I don't know. And I, I, frankly, as an adult, I went back to briefs. Boxer shorts are stupid, especially the variety that were very popular in the late 90s, yeah, early 2000s. Really boxer? They did nothing. Like, yeah. they just, they, they were, they defeated the purpose of underwear. Just wearing this giant yeah. pair of shorts under your pants. It's not comfortable. It's not practical. No. Damn, that's what you were saying about like girl bullying. Mm. And I feel, because I also feel like I was actually bullied by girls quite a lot. Equal opportunity bullying that you experienced. Yes. And I think, (laughs) I also think if you're kind of like, um, like a, a less sort of like alpha male type or like you see him a bit gay or something, I think there's a certain type of bully girl who's like, oh, here's someone I can, I can take on. Right. You know, now that you say it, though, I remember in grade nine um, having to go from gym class where I was like, and I also had like, uh, I wanted to look like Winona Ryder. So I had a really obviously. short haircut, obviously. Um, but I just looked like a, a little boy. Um, so I remember having to go from gym class, which is the worst, to this geography class where I was, I don't know why, but I was inexplicably like one of two girls in that class. Like it just worked out that way Um, of all these like really loud, obnoxious boys and the teacher had no control over them. And so I would just try and like keep my head down and like get my work done. But these boys like zeroed in on the fact that I, I don't know that I was doing that and that I was this like tiny mousy person and they made me like do their assignments for oh them. Oh my god. And the teacher didn't stop it and I was I just did it because I was like, you know what? It is easier like they were easy assignments. I got a hundred in geography. I know where Asia is yeah. on the map. I couldn't tell you a damn thing I learned in that class. Um however many years later, twenty years later, but I remember that I just, it was just easier and faster to just do their stupid activity sheets or exercise sheets than to try and tell them, no, I won't do this. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And I think it was sort of like, there were one, yeah, there were like one or two other girls in the class who like had boobs, like didn't look like little boys. And so they would, you know, flirt with them and those girls would flirt back and they didn't see me as... I don't know. I think they just, like, didn't really see me as a girl. They just sort of saw me as this, like, homework machine. Right, yes. Because I feel like those, like, mean girls didn't right. see me as a boy. Yeah, it's very similar. And I remember, like, being in grade seven and having, like, a group of girls from a younger grade mm-hmm. surround me and start, like, spitting at me and calling <gasps> me names. And I had to be... And I was rescued by a group of boys from my grade who I think, like, did not like the precedent that was being set <laughs> that like grade six girls could come and sort of like oh, you beat don't up think a grade it was seven heroic boy. Or a kind no, gesture. Well, I, I feel like it was like, they were like, he's one of ours and like, this is not okay. Like it is not yeah. okay for like pe- people who are both girls and a grade younger to have this kind of power over one of ours. No, it's like how hmm. a wolf pack like will walk surrounding like the oldest, weakest one. Mm-hmm. Like the alpha ones are protecting... Is it like that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that much all, about wolves. I don't know. It was like being like surrounded and spat upon was humiliating, but also like in a way being rescued like felt even more humiliating. It was all humiliation <laughs> oh. all the way down. I'm also remembering like this weird. So I I did took 
tap dance classes for about six years. You were just years. asking for all this. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, <laughs> I know. mean, we shouldn't victim blame, but I was, tap dancing. I was the only boy in the <laughs> dance school, uh, which did mean, um, thanks to like sexism, that I got to be the star of all of the routines. That's kind of exciting. I was not the best dancer in the class, but if we were going to do an Aladdin number, what, I wasn't going to be Aladdin? I there's, was. There's lots of problems with that one. Well. <laughs> but you know what? I'm into it. Let's go it. You know, it was. That's, that's like a question to take up with the dance teacher. Yeah. Not poor child Johnny. Oh, it's, yeah, no, I know. It's I, for sure. I was delighted to be Aladdin in that, in that moment. We all loved Aladdin. I, I really loved Aladdin. Um, that, that was, I remember, like, we would when we'd have the, rec- the recital days were actually always kind of the worst because, like, it would be the entire school was there and there would be these, like, older girls and they would sometimes kind of, like, gang up on me and, like, be mean to me. And I remember there was this one girl and, like, we had this weird, like, sort of, like, yelling match with each other backstage and she just, like, hated me for some reason. And, we were, and I just remember I would, like... She was try- she was giving me insults and I but like I didn't really know enough insults to give one mm-hmm. back mm. and so like I called her <laughs> cheese box head and she just thought that that was funny. It is. It's funny. It is funny. So many years later, um, she ended up at the same high school as me, and it turned out she was only like. At the time when we were younger, she was like, I think one year older than me. And when we were mm-hmm. little kids, that felt like a big deal. But then, you know, she was a grade ahead of me in high school. And as I remember her seeing me and she sort of had a really friendly welcome to me. And she was like, oh my God, do you remember you used to call me cheese box head? And I was like, oh, like we're, I hated you, but are we friends now? And she was really lovely and was sort of like showing me around the school and being super nice until anybody else walked in and it was i remember all through grade nine like if we were alone somewhere she's your secret friend this is such a weird thing that kids do right where she sort of like was very friendly and nice and genuine and would ask me she's like oh hey how's it going how are you settling in if there was no one else around and if there was an audience she shoves you in a garbage can (laughs) well this was super weird because she actually just became like incredibly inappropriately sexual with me ah. and as if there was an audience for her she would just start like putting her hands all over me and being like john you make me so wet and here i am this sort of like what? you know i'm this like closeted 14 year old virgin being like what like i they don't even really fully understand what that means I, this is very again just like humiliating in front of like it's all the classmates. It's a wonder. It makes me so sad for her. It makes me sad for everyone in that story. That's so sad. Just being a teen is the worst. It's so yeah. bad. So I'm sure she would cringe thinking about it now. And you'd oh, run totally. into her and you'd get along, and then all of a sudden people would show up and she'd be weird too. Well, then it's. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the bullying you've experienced in your formative years? has helped develop your personality in positive ways now as adults, as artists. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Like, I don't... If What kind of person would you be if you literally experienced, like, 
no sort of, I don't know, teen adversity of whatever. Do you think it makes like, it more interesting? No, as a person? I'm Do you not think it very interesting at all. That's not true. But, I, but um, I think it, like, I don't know. I, I think How it, else are you going to be a funny person? How else are you going to be a funny person, for one thing? But I also think, like, I consider myself a really empathetic person. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah, look at agreement. We both go, Nodding mm. in agreement. Um, and I think, like... I don't know if you never uh, have to do anything hard, even just a little bit hard or hard in relation to who you are. How are you going to like, I don't know. I think back about like this girl, like you make me so wet girl, John. And I like feel for her. Like what was going on in that? Yeah. In that poor teen's brain that she felt like she oh, had totally. to say things like that. And I don't know. I think, yeah, makes you understand people better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I co-sign all of that. I feel, I think that, you know, you kind of, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's such a cliche, but like you become sort of like funny and interesting as like coping mechanisms for like how like shit it was like being a kid or being a teen, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you write a play about it. Uh Uh-huh. And the rest is history. And it builds character. And the rest is history. Guys, thank you for being on the show. You were both wonderful. Mm, our pledge. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, do you have anything you would like to promo, whether it be social media or shows coming up Johnny in the future? Johnny sure does. I do have a show that I wrote and that I'm performing in called Shove It Down My Throat that will be opening at Buddies and Bad Times Theater on April 3rd. Yes. And that's I exciting. did not collaborate on that show, but I will be hosting um, some talkbacks at the two Sunday matinees. So yeah, I'll yeah. That's there. exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 And that brings us to the end of another episode of Truths Be Told, the bullying episode. It got rough. It got serious and heavy. We we jumped right into the trauma. We were wading in a pool of trauma. But we made it out alive, guys. And uh, now we're just going to end on a high note. We're going to keep it light, light and tight. Okay, so uh, off the top of the episode, I was mentioning how we won a Canadian Podcasting Award and how exciting that was, and I forgot to mention something else cool that happened. So brag alert, it's going to happen again. Um, Apple Podcasts made a playlist of podcasts um, in honor of International Women's Day, and the playlist was called inspiring women and guess who they included on that playlist truth be told truth be told was on a playlist called inspiring women and i am living for that you guys like i i love all that that implies implication number one that this show could be considered inspiring to someone i mean that's a huge compliment and implication number two that I am a woman. Because I'll be honest, guys, I just feel like a little girl who is faking it. That's how I feel most of the time. I'm a little girl who orders white wine and nobody IDs her. That's how I feel. So uh, you can go on to Canadian 
Apple Podcasts, and I believe the Inspiring Women playlist is still up, and you can find us there, so that's really cool. So thank you, Apple Podcasts. That's awesome. Okay, time to thank some people, some very special people who made this episode so great. I want to thank my guests for sharing their their deep, dark, bullying traumas. Thank you, Jonathan Schatzky, Spencer Litzinger, Johnny Walker, and Morgan Norwich. Thanks, guys. I also want to thank Matthew Reed for creating the music for this show, Catherine Fogler for doing the podcast photography, Kurt Furla for the podcast artwork. I want to thank my partner in crime in the editing room, Mr. Trevor Pullman. Thank you so much. Thank you to the wonderful gentlemen at the Sonar Network, Cody Crane and Michael Mangiardi. If you want to see clips of Truth Be Told, you can go on YouTube and just search Truth Be Told Podcast. We should come up. I also have an Instagram if you want to see what I'm up to. My handle is at Mullo. That's L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. Remember, guys, if you run into your bully from your past, you need to stop and you need to take a moment, breathe deeply, and you have to try your best to let it go. Let go. Forgive them. Understand that they were children at the time. And just let go of that pain. Or, if that doesn't work for you, I want you to look that bully in the eye and say, Fuck you. Fuck you. You fucking hurt me. And I've been carrying it. And I think of it often. And I will not let it go. I will never let this go. Fuck you, you fuck. Yeah. Because, you know, the high road isn't for everyone, right? Guys, I'm kidding. Please don't do that to another person. Okay? Don't do that to another person. Normally I would say, yes, do that. But now I'm on a playlist called Inspiring Women. Okay? So, so now I have to act inspiring. So I'm going to tell you not to cuss out some random stranger from your past. Okay. I'm growing. I'm evolving. Thanks for listening to the show. There will be more episodes. So please stay tuned. Have a good week, you guys. Bye-bye. has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.